I do want to draw your attention to the similarities between the cinema and the cinema office. There are no windows, it's a dark room. The snacks are expensive. The goal isn't to live forever. The goal is to create something that will. Hello, you're listening to Perspective, a podcast for wedding creatives where we sit down together often with a special guest and talk about our many years of experience in the wedding industry. Maybe you're thinking about getting into the wedding industry or you've been here for quite some time and you just want two friends to listen to. Well, this podcast is for you. Welcome to episode two of the Perspective podcast. Today, Greg and I are sitting down with Tom Armstrong, a young filmmaker based in Glasgow, who also heads up our sister company, Lovelock. We're going to be talking to Tom about our experience at the For Love's Sake workshop based over in Rotterdam. And uh, yeah. Before we get into it, what are we drinking today, Simon? We're drinking coffee this morning. It's another common, because why not? But this one is strong. It's their Brazil and Colombia blend. The tagline is, Calling all night owls, alarm snoozers, and afternoon nappers, this punchy blend is for you. That sounds like an accurate description of me. (laughs) (laughs) I am about to go for a nap. You need the strong coffee today. Yeah. Yeah. Is this to be enjoyed as a filter or espresso? Just Chemex, uh, though. And the tasteful, uh, taste notes are roasted nuts and dark chocolate. You'll be a fan of the roasted nuts, Tom. Tom Armstrong is a incredible filmmaker, lead shooter for our sister company, Lovelock, and friend. But why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Tom? There's not, there's not much more to me, to be honest. Well, I don't know, Tom. You've got more of a filmmaker background in terms of like music videos and other projects not just weddings yeah that's, yeah, that's true I do uh, quite a lot of music work uh, music videos and touring with bands and stuff like that so it's good to you know it's variation which mm-hmm. is quite good and a lot of things that I do with my music stuff I can bring into my wedding work and vice versa and it uh, sort of keeps you fresh I think I yeah. think so yeah yeah it works being shooting a live gig means you have to be quick and get the shot get your settings in the click of a finger which translates to to weddings yeah yeah and also if you've got like teams working with you as well it's much like you know working with a photographer on the day or if you've got a second or something it's you know dealing with people and communicating to make it work really Mm. yeah and there's definitely a certain vibe to your style of shooting that definitely translates well into wedding films as well. You've got that kind of good energy about it. Yeah, I'd say that's... Yeah, I, I'm, I don't know, because obviously it changes over time, but um, I try not to shake about the camera too much at weddings. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I've shook, shook that out of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll push it sometimes, and it'll often come out... Um, during dancing, especially, mm-hmm. or even the couple shoot, you can, you know, have some fun with that. But um, these days with wedding stuff, I'm, I spend more time sort of composition-wise, I think. Um, windows 
give me mirrors, give me glass. That that seems to be my my go to thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being more deliberate with how you shoot. Like if I'm not happy with what I'm seeing, I'm not going to press record because it's I'm not going to use it. Mm-hmm. You don't do the uh, awful habit of overshooting like Greg and I do. That's a that's a very cinematic thing. Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it's an awful habit. I'd say it's good to have good to have lots of footage. Um, I it, and it depends on it depends on the on the shoot because some weddings you come away with and you've got loads elopements especially I find mm, yeah. um, because it's easy you just to get carried away because it's just one long couple shoot. Yep, which is great. <laughs> it's it's really really nice. It feels yeah. really strange, but it's it's really good. But um, you know, the more you do it, the more you sort of know what your you know what the product is, you know what the output is, and you're sort of editing as you go in your mind. So like, you know, with what you're shooting. Well, for me, but depends on the job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But cinemate like to um, you get a lot of footage. Why do you mention some of your favorite projects that you've filmed so far? Wedding wise, music wise, whatever. Yeah, I think some of my favorite work was uh, well, there was one uh, a promo video um, type thing I did with a guy for a place called Lagan Outdoor, um, which now has a wedding venue called Gigi's Yard. Shot there a few months ago. Really nice venue, um, very thought through for weddings, which is good. But um, yeah, we shot a promo video there over a few days, um, which was. You know, big project, but it was, it was really, really good. The edit came together really well. It did really well. And, um, you know, th- through that, you get got a few jobs at Gigi's Yard out of it, which was good. Um, but that was a really fun project. So it wasn't, like, directly wedding-related, but it was a bit more adventure which is, you know, always good shoots to do. Well, the music video that I shot for a band called Bleed From Within, live at St. Luke's in Glasgow, um, that was that was a really, really fun project. It was really, it was a big project to do. Um, I think it was five or six hundred cap sellout and a proper big production and I had two other guys shooting with me and then a couple unmanned cameras, so sort of directing that. So that was a lot of work, like pre-production planning and stuff. Then obviously the shoot itself and the edit was a... Uh, intense there was a a lot to do but Mm -hmm. um that came out really really well wedding wise there's so many so many i'd say actually the one that um greg and i did uh, a couple months ago Uh, in the sky oh the sky one yeah Um, claudia and max claudia and max yeah. yeah i think that was um i mean that was that. That wasn't a love lock one. That was a was it a cinema one? That was yeah, cinema. Cinema one. It was cinema. I could not shoot it. Yeah, so I got drafted in uh, with mm. Simon's blessing. Absolutely. <laughs> I hope I did you proud. You did very much. So. Um, but that was that was like that was a couple days. I think we were in Sky, so that was really good because again it was very adventurous and we had a lot of time to you know scout the locations beforehand. Um, we were working with uh, Joe and Liam from Joe Donaldson Photography, who mm-hmm. we're all good friends with. Yeah, absolutely. And it's always great shooting with them because, like, we just get on really well, and they're really good to shoot with, mm-hmm. um, which helps. And we had every weather possible for that elopement. It was, um, <laughs> which is sky in a nutshell. Yeah, that's yeah. that's just sky. You'll get every every season in yeah. one day. The um, couple were also up for anything we suggested to them. Yeah, which is what. You know that's an ideal situation mm-hmm. for us. Um, when, but often with an elopement, the couple really want it, so they're going to be like, "Yeah, this is how it is. Let's go." 
um, whether it's raining or not, or whether it's sunny or not, you know, and they just go with it because they know visually you have to sort of push it for things to look epic, if you like, Mm -hmm. because if it's easy, it doesn't look great a lot of the time. So it's good to have that. But um, yeah, that couple were brilliant. And then Claudia was hiking up. Old man, a store with them, those massive platform yeah. shoes, which was just amazing. <laughs> she actually, she had it easier, yeah, than Max because he was wearing like just you know dress shoes, which have no grip at the bottom. Mm. So the poor lad was skating everywhere, and we were <gasps> trying to keep him up. But um, I'd say, yeah, that was a that was a really fun shoe as well. And again, the the edit came together really well. So I've had, I've had some good stuff yeah. recently. It's been going Ta- all right. Talking good, of good. sky, there was also. The shoot that you did for us for our website, the promo video. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, sorry, yeah. I forgot about that. I just thought. So that meant, I mean, if I mentioned that, it might seem a bit. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed that didn't make it into notable shoots that you've been on. But no, you know, it was, no, well, like, <laughs> well, I, I mean, there's many notable shoots I've been on. But I can't, it. I can't come on the Cinemate podcast and be like, yeah, notable shoot I did was yeah. your promo video. Yeah, that, it, it was though. That was really good fun. It was an extremely wet one. Yeah, the rain did yeah. not stop for us that time that was an yeah. intense intense couple yeah. of days mm. um that's because you were in a, a van with me for so many hours yeah that was a it was a, a practice and patience yeah. and um i didn't have my 24 to 70 because someone forgot to pack it yeah i shot that entire thing on a what 1635 and a 7200 yeah so my I, favorite focal range my, in the middle it, gone yeah gone <laughs> <laughs> I made it work, though. Well, I didn't say it was going to be easy working for us. N- no, no. <laughs> that's that's not the word I would describe. What we're talking about today is for Love Psych Workshop, and we obviously, because you did that promo shoot for us, is one of the reasons we went back this year. We wanted to sort of thank you by taking you along to that. It was lovely. It yeah. was very, very nice. It was unexpected and mm-hmm. arguably undeserved, but I'll take no, it. No, fully deserved. <laughs> fully deserved, to be honest. So for those of you who don't know what For Love's Sake is, why don't you fill them in, Greg? What is For Love's Sake? It's a workshop for wedding filmmakers, and it's it's organised by a guy called Carlos, who's based out of Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Carlos and Krista. Actually, sorry, no, he's based in Rotterdam. Mm-hmm. And over the last two years, they've held two or three events, the first event they held was 2017, I think, mm-hmm. April. April, yeah. Uh, we went to that one for a few reasons. Uh, I'd say the main one for me was it was the first time that I'd heard of a workshop being focused on filmmakers. Normally yeah. it's a photography workshop or photography with a wee bit of video thrown in. Mm-hmm. So when we saw this one, we thought, all right, it's fairly close. So we can get there with a good, with an easy flight, reasonably priced, and it's the first one that we know of. Yeah, and then also the lineup at that one—that's fantastic. There was a few names that suited us. Mm. Um, yeah, so I'd say that's one of the main reasons we chose to go the first time. As a creative business, what you should aim to be doing is revamping yourself every once in a while. But our initial success kind well, of made a plateau. And we didn't move forward creatively. We just kept on making the same kind of films every time. Yeah, I'd say, I wouldn't say revamp every now and again. You're right. Constantly evolve. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Our films, we had sort of slightly lost the passion for Mm -hmm. because we felt they'd got quite similar and nothing was exciting us. 
Plus, one of my favorite filmmakers was there, Tim Twynham from uh, Valeri. Valer? I think he says Valer. Valer. I'm so sorry. I get that wrong every I time. Even, I even checked before coming to yeah, do this episode how I think to say it. And even I he it wrong. isn't sure on exactly how it's supposed to be said, but I'm sure he says it Valer. Yeah. It was a great experience. All three of us went over there. All three of us returned. <laughs> Some of us just. <laughs> yeah, so this year's event was middle of April. It was the 17th and 18th. Mm-hmm. Some of the speakers included Maru Films, Daniel Armitage, Philip White, Kaylin Kristen from White and Reverie. Mm-hmm. It was a good variety of styles and... Of people from different countries as well to get mm-hmm. different cultures. Yeah. I would definitely say that the first workshop kind of had a focus on storytelling. In fact, there was a kind of a a debate um, with some of the speakers and the audience members about the importance of storytelling. Whereas I feel like the second workshop there was definitely more of a variety of different styles and they were all appreciated in their own way. So I felt that was quite beneficial, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's some um, filmmakers who obviously were, you know, storytellers and they concentrated on the emotional aspect of the story. Some were more from a fashion background, so, you know, maybe I focus on details and image and the suppliers and that kind of thing in the wedding films and some who just wanted to push the boundaries of what an actual wedding film is. So Tom, this was obviously your first time going. It was. What, how, how did you feel it was as a workshop or? I thought it was really good. Um, as you said, like the variety of people. It was a really well balanced lineup. Um, I recognised most of the names um, before I went. Um, Anyone that you didn't know? Uh, I've forgotten. Ironically, yeah, I don't think I'd heard of him before. Yeah, uh, he was one that I didn't know either. Having spoke to Carlos, I think he likes to throw in obviously some big names that people know and have heard of. Yeah, one, but also. One or two that people maybe haven't heard of, but... Yeah, it makes sense. So I think they're sort of wild cards a wee bit. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Uh, it works, though. It's, it's good because then... I don't, I don't know. It's, it's just a bit fresher. And you've not got, like, just everyone that's always at every workshop, for yeah. example, type thing. So it's quite good for that. But I think as an event, it was, you know, really well run. It was, mm-hmm. you know, uh, useful because a lot of workshops you can go to it does <laughs> it can seem a bit like a ego stroking mm. uh, project for some speakers when you like yeah. you come away from it like well I know how good you are but there was nothing actionable I really walked away with from that but I'd say mm. every talk at For Love's Sake there was little bits that you took from it and you're like oh cool like i can use that or you know i never thought about that before so it was it was good for that and nobody stood there and just like talked about themselves and didn't do anything yeah uh, i'm not saying loads of things do it but it's you know we all know that is a thing that happens sometimes mm-hmm. um so you know bang for a buck is yeah. really good and rotterdam's lovely 
It is. I'd never yeah. been to Rotterdam, so because we explored when we got there, I think, because we had an early flight. We from, did. We yes. Did we fly from Glasgow? Yeah, uh-huh. uh, we right. had a super early flight. Uh, flight. It's like the six a.m. Glasgow to Amsterdam. Yeah. Which well, is the one I always like to get, just to push these guys to the limits of it was a good wake fl- up time. I always, almost always fly at that time. It uh, freaks me I out think, if I fly later. I think I had to give you a couple of phone calls to wake you up in the morning. I was up. I'm nah. sure I was up. Yeah, so we had the, the super early flight, uh, and then we got to Amsterdam at like nine, or before nine. So we had that full day to just chill out and explore. Mm. I think we were all pretty knackered. But yeah, we went, had a few beers, and then there was a bit of a sort of unofficial meetup that night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so went to the pub again for a few beers, and uh, pretty pretty good start to the weekend. Yeah. Um, and you guys knew some oh, folk week. from last yeah, year. There was yeah. a few people who had attended the first one, who were again at this one like us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was good to sort of meet up with them again and catch up on how their year had been yeah see any changes that they had implemented into their business or their filming or yeah just catch yeah. up because they're like they're all lovely people with similar kind of interests wanting the same kind of goals so yeah i was gonna say like it was a good crowd like, yeah the attendees were all very obviously we're all there for the same thing and we do very mm-hmm. similar stuff mm-hmm. but you know everyone's super friendly and um yeah it was, you felt really chilled out yeah. And it was the right size as well. There wasn't too many people. There's no egos there. Like yeah. the people speaking were all down to earth. And the way it's structured, there's a lot of downtime between mm. or not a lot of downtime, but between each speech there's a bit of a break. Mm. So that's where you can go and chill out and chat to some other filmmakers. And all the speakers are just mingling as well. Yeah. They don't sort of sneak off and hide away anywhere. It's a secret room. They're mm. just like us other filmmakers it's good to just well they are yeah exactly (laughs) yeah they're people man but no i know what you mean because sometimes like you know you they're they're just by being speakers they're put on this pedestal that like of importance if you like and they are important i'm not saying they're not important but um it was really good that they were just like hanging out with everyone and chatting away and you know just getting involved um because there's only so much audience participation you can sort of get yeah. Um, so it was really good just to chat with them, and I think I managed to. I think we all managed to have a conversation with most of them. I think at mm-hmm. some point over the two days. So yeah, on the first day, the speakers were Remy and Puke from Maru, who I'm just going to apologise just now for pronunciation of all names because some of them will be wrong. Sorry. Even though I know these people in person, mm-hmm. just putting that out there. We're trying. So it was Maru Films. Daniel Armitage from Shoot Me Now, Alejandro Calori from Real and Short, and then I think it was Craig Adams from When Film School that closed out the first day. Mm. So was there any sort of major takeaway from the first day that you sort of remember or anything, Tom? I think Remy Pukes was mainly storytelling. Yes, it was. I, I liked how they sort of broke down using anagrams. They're sort of process of storytelling if you like um i think going back to the event as a whole uh maru's talk was quite like technical in terms of they broke down how storytelling works etc yeah um whereas you had other talks which were not about 
the technicality of it at all. It was more about, you know, almost actually there was a lot of it was pulling on sort of work-life balance, which I thought was really, really interesting, really good to be talked about because, like, everyone thinks it's super cool to be seen to be busy and hustling and all that. But, yeah, it's, you know, it's good to do, but only if it's maintainable. There's more to life than just wedding films. Yeah. So I think it was really good that quite a few speakers touched on that some more in depth. Yeah, I like like that. I actually really appreciated the one it was Daniel who yeah, Daniel. talked about sort of work life balance and getting sort of burnt out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'd then, say his was one of my favourite talks I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Too. Whole, too. Thing. I think it was a lot for a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. It's one that will stick with a lot of people. Yeah. Like there'll mm-hmm. be wee nuggets from everybody's speech, but I think his in particular. Yeah, it was sort of good to sort of hear that because as you say it's cool just now, the things like, oh yeah, hustle, hustle, but hustling for the right sort of reasons yeah. and doing it properly. Yeah, if you hustle and you run yourself into the ground, then you're no good to anyone. Yeah. So you need to be able to work to a high level, but do it efficiently and look after yourself, mm-hmm. which is what a lot of people sort of forget sometimes. But Absolutely. it's it's good that it's, it's getting talked more and more about in the sort of industry mm. as a whole, across video, across photo, across suppliers probably as well. It's, you know, it's at the front of folks' mind, which is good. Yeah. yeah. And then you Alejandro with his manifesto. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty cool to see how much thought he puts into every single film. It's just mm. seeing how he works. Yeah, because... Like him reading this manifesto and explaining it, it shows you how his how he thinks, which yeah. is interesting. Because you watch his yeah. films and you're like, these are crazy. Like, mm. sometimes... They're so deliberate. Yeah, yeah exactly. You like, know everything's deliberate because, uh, you know, someone could look at it and think, oh, this is random. Why is it like that? That doesn't make any sense. Mm. But it, you can tell it's very, very deliberate, everything that's done. And that's why they're very different to anything else. Mm. Um, I feel like you could very easily look at one of his films and go, oh, he's just done that. Or, that's a bit random. Why? But then, you know, you read through his manifesto and it's like, everything he does is super deliberate. But the films themselves, like, you don't have to, like, have the manifesto to understand the films. Yeah. No, no, I mean, mean, it helps, but, like, Mm. if you're like us and you're interested in it, and then knowing the manifesto helps. But in general, like, you, you could watch his work and just be like, oh, that's just... I mean, it's not for everyone, obviously. No. But... They're a very particular style. It's cool. Mm-hmm. It's different, yeah, yeah. And, and only he can do it. Mm. I think. I think the problem is if you if you're just going to watch it, like if like if I said, "Hey, watch this," you might go and laugh at certain bits. Yeah, but you know, you read the manifesto and you kind of understand some of the ideas that he's trying to portray. That it's not always funny that he's going for. So yeah, you can really there you can go humor. in depth with the right. yeah yeah. Oh, there's definitely humor in there, yeah. But that was, yeah, yeah his his mm. was good as well. And he did well, like, obviously not being a native English speaker. Yes. To yeah, he did get really up well. and speak mm-hmm. and to everyone was, you know, I couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I can't even speak English correctly. Talk, talking about speaking to everyone, there was a new section that Carlos introduced to this year's event where he opened up a sort of 15-minute section each day for one of the attendees 
to go up and say something that was on their mind. Uh, and Simon sort of nominated himself to <laughs> do one of these. Yes. yes In a did. moment of utter productivity, I decided it would be wise for me to speak to Utter what? Productivity. Well, being productive, pushing myself up my boundaries. Right. What made you want to nominate yourself for this? Years prior to going to the first for love's sake, um, I'd got myself in a creative rut, as I mentioned earlier. Um, but not only that, you know, the 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 whole work life balance thing was particularly difficult. So I actually learned a lot from, you know, the way of like just changing your perspective on things, you know. Um. And changing the way I would view certain situations at a wedding. Or just a wedding in general. Or what a wedding film was. Um, so the focus of my talk was the correlation between you know, what we create and how it makes us feel. Because yeah. obviously I think in the job that we do that we focus too much on what couples expect of us. It's very easy to look at what, sort of, what, you know, what other work people are creating in your market and just feel that you need to fit in with that to be able to charge whatever you want. The The opposite actually happens. As soon as you start creating films for yourself, those films are then different and then you can... Yeah, yeah. The sort of... The subject of inner happiness sort of related to a few of the other sort of talks that were happening. So it made sense and it worked. You didn't pee over there. Just pour myself some coffee, and I just don't so, worry. We didn't want any. So there was one line in particular that I really got a lot of inspiration from, and it was from <laughs> Tim Twynham, and he said to me to to drop your crutches, which essentially was just like if you're proficient at you know shooting a wedding or a part of a wedding with a certain piece of kit, why don't you just like not take that piece of kit? And it will aggressively force you to, ch- yeah, you will have to change the way that you shoot that wh- whatever moment it is. Um, yeah. yeah. We we could probably get into this in an, another episode as well, a lot more detail. But at one point, had maybe been feeling like we were relying on equipment to get shots and to make our films look good. But one of the things from the first event in particular was to sort of rein the kit back and get more thoughtful about the shots and the framing and stuff. Yeah. Use our eyes rather than use equipment. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, we'll probably get into that more in another sort of episode. Yeah, because we can go in depth uh, about that. Are so, you ever not going to use a glide cam, Simon? Well, it's a very versatile tool. But I would say that is your largest crutch. Yeah. Well... Where, I, I don't where, think where, you'd like it. Where, whereas I, I would used to use the Glycam for every, like every part of the day. I would use it differently. But now, I like if I was to do a couple shoot, I, sometimes I don't even take the Glycam. You know, for exteriors. Because you saw me I, you start shooting handheld and you were like, ooh. Yes, that's <laughs> what <laughs> Getting back to this of the event, after the first day, we went for dinner. <laughs> I jumped on TripAdvisor. Yeah. Found this place that looked pretty good. It was like a twenty minute walk away. It was like a sort of not a beer hall, but Yeah. Like, it had a sort of yeah, beer hall vibe to it. Yeah, if, there was it looked like on Germanic influences. Yeah. Mm. But when we got there, it was like, oh no, it's closed. 
then we sort of opened the door and it was like, oh no, it's open. There's What the hell this is this right? place? Yeah. This cool dressed waiter. Yeah, like classic. Yeah. Like, classic dress. He's like, yeah, we can get you a table. So yeah, the waiter started explaining about the place to us. He was a great waiter. And he was one of the things he explained was some tradition with the tie. So yeah, so the restaurant, when you went in, it was quite a long restaurant, very small, had a few tables, kitchen in the middle, but all around were hundreds of ties, hundreds of ties just strewn on the walls everywhere. Yeah, but like deliberately done. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they were hanging. Yeah, so, yeah. And it was- so the guy explained what the sort of story was behind them, uh, which you'll maybe have to go and visit to find out. Yeah. We'll, we'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, it is. Because it's worth going. It really is. It is, yeah. We, I think we all went for the... We asked the waiter for a recommendation. Like, yeah. What would you have if you were going to have dinner here? And he's like, well, every time I eat here, which is once a month, I think yeah, they always yeah, have mm-hmm. once, a once a month, he had steak with sort of a garlic butter type thing. It was a very but special garlic butter. it wasn't... Butter. Yeah, it was a special yeah. one. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes. And if you go to Rotterdam... Make there. an effort to go there. Yeah, it was absolutely. So delicious. Uh, mm-hmm. But after that, we went back to our hotel and crashed. Then Yeah, we were pretty tired. So yeah, day two, the speakers were Philip White, Pascal Delay, I think that's how you say it, Sebastian Neandrica from Super Weddings. There was a girl called Wingman who did a talk. I love her. She's which great. was not wedding film oh, yeah, at all. Was, yeah. You know, Thirty-three um, ten. Thirty-three and ten. And then Kayla Sorry, and Christine from White and Reverie closed out the final day. I couldn't I mean, can you get a more beautiful couple? I don't think you can. Have you seen Greg and I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God. I mean I, I wouldn't like that's, I agree, but I w- like is that what made the talk? Yeah. Oh, I wasn't listening, I was just looking at them. Okay. Both One of them. the big things I remember from their talk was Find Your Why. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. They had a story that they told, and it kind of really connected with me, um, because we, one of the reasons we do wedding films is sort of because they're lasting memories, and we want to sort of be involved in people's memories like that. Um, and just, was it a month before, we found out that one of our past grooms had passed away. Yeah. Uh, so when she was, when Christine was talking about her why and their story, mm-hmm. it really connected with me and what had happened the previous month. Uh, so yeah, theirs was really moving again as well. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I recently wrote a blog uh, titled "Time Capsules." Probably leave it in the show notes as well. It's kind of it's kind of our why. It can be quite dark, but I talked to Lisa, who you know was the widow of. The uh, cinematic groom that passed, so... Yeah. yeah. Uh, Philip White was there for the second year in a row, so we had sort of met him and heard his talk, or heard him talk the previous year, so mm. it was good to catch up with him again, sort of, during the breaks. Yeah. Um, we learned quite a lot about <laughs> him. Yeah. Him and his <laughs> band, like Philip and the Whites. No, it was it was unnamed. I'm pretty sure we named it. Uh, but yeah, that day. <laughs> last year his talk, I really took a lot from with the sort of using glass and mm. 
the framing and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so hearing his talk this year was similar, but it'd been adapted and it evolved quite a lot that it was still really useful to hear again yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and hear anything that he's sort of developed from the last year. Yeah, I really admire Philip White's business acumen in in terms of acumen. winning film. Acumen. Acumen. Was there any on the second day that really stood out for you, Tom? Um, yeah, I really liked uh, Philip's talk. Like, I've always liked his work. Um, I think I, I'm sure I came back from the first event and said, you'd like Philip. Yeah. Yeah. As a person and as like, yeah, a filmmaker. He was, he was my kind of guy. Yeah. My kind of dude. Um, but yeah, he's followed his work for ages. And um, it was it was cool to like meet him as well because like you assume obviously that these people, like as much as they're people, you, we sort of look up to them because they are sort of figureheads in the industry. Um, but like, he's just like anyone else, as they all are. And we know this all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he was, he was super chill and like, I just like the way he works and how he does his stuff and how he shoots really simple. Like there was a lot of similarities, I think, between him and Daniel. Um, yeah. And the way mm-hmm. they shoot is very... I think very, they struck up a bro partnership. Yeah, I don't know I if they'd met much before sense. this event, but yeah. they really struck it, out, struck it off. But yeah, like it was like shooting with one camera, like for most of the day and just one lens and stuff like that. And that's something I've sort of done for quite a while. Like, yeah, I'll have like a B cam and a C cam, but uh, normally I like to shoot just like with one camera and one lens because it's just easier and less intrusive and I don't have to carry loads of gear. Yeah. But um, it was just, it was, he was, his talk was good because it was, it touched on technical stuff. It, touched on sort of theory type stuff there were some good stories um some good horror stories and um i liked as well like the event overall like a lot of folks showed their like first films yeah <laughs> yeah which was like, I, I wanted more first films that was uh that was good because it shows you like i mean there was some shocking stuff in there oh, <laughs> it was great like properly painful that mariochi who's who did that belong to was that philip i think was that, that was yeah. keep, oh my was, goodness yeah. Phil, that was that fantastic. Was but no, I thought, yeah, um, his his talk was really good. I really mm. liked that, and um, I liked, yeah, I liked White and Reverie as well. Obviously, like it was a good talk. They were it was very well rehearsed, very well done. You could tell a lot of work had gone into it. Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, they worked well as a duo, um, both filming and speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I took a lot from that as well, and um, you know it was because at that point, like, you've spent two days sat in a cinema in the dark for mm-hmm. eight hours a day. Yeah, and, and it must have been again, hard to be the last one up. Yeah, because yeah. but they managed to. I'm not saying that it was boring, but you know, they managed to keep everyone's interest. Yeah, um, which I think really being really American good. helped there because Americans are quite outgoing and con- typically confident and. Yeah, I think that helped them. I do want to draw your attention to the similarities between the cinema and the cinema office. There are no windows, it's a dark room. The snacks are expensive. So, well, <laughs> <laughs> we don't charge you for snacks. That's true. I, yeah. 
As long as you bring the odd brew dog in, that's fine. Yeah, I think I owe the office a few brew dogs, actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Well, by the so office, he means me. Yeah. You're never here. I have more important things to do than drink in the middle of the day. Spe- speaking of beer, I'm pretty sure we were the first ones to crack into yeah. the Heineken's. We were 100% aware. Oh, it was Grosch. It was Grosch. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's even better. Yeah, the, co- the poppy yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah, one of the, um, on the Facebook group, one of the photographs, it was um, oh, Creative. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was... Uh, what's her name from that? Anne. Anne. Yeah, she was sort of the event photographer, if you like. Mm. Um, so she was there, obviously, and she was there, Ricardo as well, he was there, because he did a bit on the Let's Tell a Story. Yeah, he sort of announced that. Launched. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she was there photographing, and the one photograph of us, you don't see our faces, it's just a shot of our midriff, all holding beer. <laughs> and it's like... You know, taking the Scottish stereotype. Absolutely. Yeah, um, you got to. From the first <laughs> event, there was a story about how in Dutch cinemas, there's a sort of tradition of popping the Grosch. Oh, is that where that came from? So yeah. that happened in the first year. And we were like, yeah, I'm going to buy a beer for the last talk. It's yeah, like, it's about con- time to start drinking. Yeah. Let's continue this uh, trend. And yeah, we started the trend. That's uh, why we did it. Some- I just joined in. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, as soon as Kayla and Kristen started talking, they showed a film and we were like, pop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although I don't know if they understood that. I'm not sure if they did. I hope they didn't think we were being rude. Some of our friends that were sitting in their own front of us, who were Dutch, turned around and had a good sort of... Oh, Smile. yeah, yeah, because yeah. there, there was a few Dutch yeah. people there. Yeah, there's yeah. quite a few locals come along as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, then afterwards, after the second day, we sort of just all stood about for a while chatting, and then there was... Uh, there was an official closing dinner sort of thing organised by uh, Carlos and Krista. So good. It yeah. was really nice. So yeah. good. So, yeah, and it was just around the corner. It wasn't very far away. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then it was like the top floor of this restaurant that had just been sort of booked out. And then it was like a proper decent meal. Yeah. It was like, lovely. it was very nice. So we all got there and we all had like wine on arrival and just hanging out outside. Then went in and, um, yeah, just had a really, really good dinner. Um, yeah. And at that point, everyone like sort of knows everyone. You know what I mean? Because you've like yeah. spent two days with these people. Um, and then we went to... Was it like that? Was it? It was a cocktail bar afterwards, wasn't it? Yeah, we went round the corner. Well, mm-hmm. a wee bit further. Steepest steps like a, in the world. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. that country loves its steep steps. Oh yes. Yeah, that was which are oh, a, man. a nightmare when you're a wee bit drunk. Yeah, a wee bit tipsy, <laughs> like responsible drinking. <laughs> a wee like, bit. Oh my goodness. But yeah, everybody went to so warm the cocktail well. bar. Mm. Uh, I was I was disappointed they had, they had gotten away with the pool. The pool yep. table. I'm very disappointed about that. Yeah, that's true. We packed but that place out. What, I know. What well, was that, Tom? How, how much was your round? It was like 37 or 40 euro for three gin and tonics. Wow. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. They were delicious. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it hurt a little bit parting with it. I wish I went for like a more obscure cocktail, not just a gin and tonic. Yeah. yeah. Although it did have like a micro forest on top of it, which I thought was kind of cool. They put a lot of effort into those drinks. It took I'll, a long I'll, time. Yeah. I'll give it, I'll I'm pretty give sure... They asked, sort of just, oh, what flavours do you like? And I'll make you a cocktail. Mm. It's like, oh, yeah. that's cool. That yeah. guy was rather cool. Yeah. The There's creations. no pints of tenants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was no beer on draft. But that was okay. So that was, yeah, yeah that was cool. And then, what happened after then, that? Then we nursed, oh no, oh yeah. 
we went. Then, some of us went back to Carlos and Christos. Oh yeah. <laughs> some of us couldn't <laughs> handle. Was, oh, you went home anymore. Yeah, you had yeah, to go to your hotel. I was done. So I couldn't. Tom and myself went back to Carlos and Christos flat along with a good few others. Yeah. There's Kiel and Christos was there. Philip and Daniel. Yeah, Pascal was there for a while as well. Yeah, he was. Uh, I can't remember. Things start getting a little yeah. uh, blurry. As you can tell, well, actually, we went into the flat and they just went to their kitchen, grabbed bottles of stuff, yeah, just put them on the table know what it was. and said, was help yourself to yeah. anything here. They there was wine, there was so vodka, nice. there was everything. It was like, they were oh. very, very nice. Lovely little apartment as well. It is, yeah. And then we found a guitar and then... Yeah, it got there was some sing alongs. One of my yeah. favorite things, then my standout memory was um, 500 Miles, yep, by the Proclaimers that Greg and I took the lead on, being the only Scotsman in the room. Yeah, and, uh, fantastic. Yeah, Daniel like, was jamming on the guitar. Yeah, he was, we were belting out 500 Miles loudly, everyone joined in. Yeah, they were loving it. Like, well, I mean, like, there's video evidence, so like, it oh, was yes. it was good, um, but it was a very you know, it was a really fun moment. Yeah. And so I think it was it was cool to like round it off like that. Yeah. So we got back to our hotel at like four or something. Yeah, maybe. Stood outside chatting to Kiel and Kristen for a while. Yeah. yeah. Eventually went in. <laughs> Sorry. And nursed a few hangovers the next morning. <laughs> we just, well, we got up because we flew, we had to fly the next day, but we didn't fly till what, nine yeah. at night? Yep. So we had the whole day to. So we had the whole day. Yeah. Venture about. We just sort of. Because we had to check out the hotel at a certain time. Yeah. And so then, we just went to the park, hung out there for a bit, mm-hmm. walked along the river. Found a bar. <laughs> and then um, I think a nice way to round it off would be Greg's mishap on the uh, way back to the airport. Greg, Which, would you like to... Yeah. Um, I want to yeah. hear you explain it. Well, hang on. Well, hang on a minute. First of all, there was your mishap. Because... Hours before we had to leave for the train, you were like, oh my god, I've left my power socket or something. <laughs> Thank you, Simon. I forgot about that. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I left my... And you're my, like, I gotta go. Yeah, I left my battery, like my external battery for my phone in Carlos flat the night before. Yeah. So Greg kindly arranged for me to go get it with Carlos and then... Mm-hmm. So I like walked to his apartment and then got it off him and just... Yeah. Yeah. So meanwhile, and then and then I had to get an Uber to the train station because yeah. Was, mean, was meanwhile, nice Simon and I were in another bar with some of our friends, mm-hmm. looking oh, at the yeah. time, going, "Right, we better get to the train station." <laughs> yeah. Tom's going to meet us there. Mm-hmm. You better. We got there. there just after having a few beers, bought the tickets. Yeah. Tom turns up just in time. Mm-hmm. Jump just. on the train, get to the airport. It's all good. It's all yeah. good. I can't remember when I realised, but. I noticed that I didn't have my camera, which was a RX100 Mark IV. I'd like to say that I went with an RX100 Mark IV as well, and I returned with an RX100 Mark IV. Was it mine? No, it was <laughs> definitely mine. No, I, I also I also one. went with a camera, a 1DX Mark II. I don't think anyone oh, could yeah. forget that tank. No. <laughs> but but yeah, somehow <laughs> I managed to sit my wee point-and-shoot camera down on the train, stand up, and walk off. Made sure and get my bag, put my passport. Mm-hmm. So the next day, emailed the, I think it's, I don't know what the train line's called, but emailed the train line and said, don't know if there's any chance of this, but 
I think no I might have left my camera. They replied fairly quickly, actually. I've got nothing bad to say about the train line because they found the camera. They'd been handed in. That like Genuinely incredible. Yeah. The tr- main busiest train from Rotterdam to Schiphol Airport and someone was kind enough to hand that in. You don't get that on ScotRail. Yeah. No. <laughs> so <laughs> we're used to a very different uh, level of uh, train service so, yeah, in this country. A couple so. of days later, they shipped it back to me. Mm-hmm. Got all my images from walking around Rotterdam. Before we sort of close out, would you recommend going to the next event, yes. which is in Barcelona Yes. next year? So basically, are we all going to go to the next event in Barcelona next year? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I might have a wedding. It's one of these things where we need to wait and see whether we're booked or not. Yeah. We're yeah. not, oh, yeah, yeah. not going to block it off just yet. No. Missed early bird tickets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I always like to support for love's sake. I think it's it's a good community. Yeah. Yeah. And it, as we've said before, it's a good size yeah. of event. Mm-hmm. So I would, if you're thinking about investing in education and even not just for the education, just for the being part of a community. Yeah. Like people are in loads of Facebook groups and, mm. but I don't think that's like a community. When you actually meet people in person, like we've got so many friends from the last two events yeah. mm-hmm. that even just that's worthwhile going for. Yeah. And there's Having, people like from even just me going for the first time, like there's people that I'll, you know, semi-regularly chat to that I just met there and stuff. And yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's networking as well in a way. Yeah. Like I just want to go and shoot a wedding in Rotterdam now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I would, I would definitely recommend yeah, thinking absolutely. about going next time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think if anyone just wants a decent workshop to go to that's well ran and they seem to know how to get good speakers. Yeah, I think for love's sake, it's a really, really good one. Like, I would definitely go back. Yep. Um, but yeah, great event. Thank, yeah. You, for, thank you for taking me. You're, You're welcome. welcome. You're very welcome. Yeah. It was a pleasure. Hopefully we'll see some of you at next year's event. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Perspective, a podcast for wedding creatives. If you liked this episode, you can subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And also we'd love if you recommend the show to a friend or leave a review on iTunes. Until next time, enjoy your life.